Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, we essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you, we figure out what your operations are, we figure out what your processes are, we figure out what your team doesn't like to do, and we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, but this isn't specifically about what we do, it's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, what are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team. Uh, our website is invisible.co uh, and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast uh, presented by Invisible Technologies. Uh, today I have Tuba Faroki and uh, she does a lot of automations at Invisible and so really excited to understand what is the relationship between automations and AI, but also just kind of get a under, more understanding of her world and how she how she ended up at this crazy company called Invisible. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart, for inviting me to this uh, overwhelming podcast for me, for sure. <laughs> and yeah, let's do it. Cool. Is this your first podcast? For sure, yes. Yeah, cool. So what is the difference between automation and artificial intelligence? Okay, automation is basically when we ask a computer to do stuff automatically for us. So any task that is previously done by human beings on computers, now we want computers to do them and we can do it by creating scripts programmatically or creating bots in case of RPA. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, automation for us. Uh, and so what is, what is what's represented by the move to AI and how has that changed from, from just pure automation? So AI, as of today, two years ago, RPA, let's talk about RPA because my background is uh, very much uh, RPA heavy. If we talk about RPA, so RPA is robotic process automation, where, which is one level above the script, script scripting automations. Now RPA, in RPA, you create bots. And these bots can do processes uh, automatically, and they can basically parse PDFs. They can basically they work on the structured data. Now, two years ago, uh, we didn't RPA didn't have as much scope as it has today. Automations, why? Because RPA needed structured data inputs, and uh, yeah, so any task that has structured input and then structured outputs, mm. RPA could do it. Mm. Anything out of that was like you can you couldn't do it. Now mm. with the AI in space, where we see um, an outburst of LLMs like ChatGPT, like all sorts of machine learning models. Uh, which are basically based on NLP that can parse your natural language uh, and machine learning models that can basically parse your images. So now with the advent of those, the opportunities in RPA have increased so much because now you can convert your unstructured to structured and then 
automated. So yeah, AI has a direct relationship with RPA because AI strengthens and give more strength to RPAs of today. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think automation is going to go away? Like, do you think in two years that once once we have LLMs that basically can take natural language and and can take unstructured data, do you think that automation as we know it today is going away? No. No. What? No. What? How? Automation. Oh, yeah. Automation is basically doing tasks uh, automatically, like without humans. With I'm the sorry, AI. Then. Maybe I should have asked, do you think RPA, do you think having these bots and do you think uh, like this, this, this unstructured or, or the having structure automations that are specifically going from structured data or structured input to structured output, do you think that's going away? No, it won't go away. It will, it will remain, but then we will see a transition from RPA to IRPA, which is intelligent uh, robotic process automation. Uh, uh, automation is going to stay for a very long time. Uh, it will stay and uh, yeah. And so let's talk about I- IRPA. So that's, is that like something that only was unlocked because of LLMs? We previously had ML models. Mm. See, we had them. But the problem was that they weren't easy to put into a bot. So, for example, uh, you would have to like host your um, host your model, host your infrastructure, and it was difficult. Now, with LLMs and the APIs readily available, so out of the box ML models available, so you can hit the API and get the form. So you don't have to post anything, which means it's way more easier than it was two years ago to create IRP, which is intelligent bots. Mm. Uh, and I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Uh, uh, really interesting. So we got, so so you're saying is that we, before LLMs took around there, all this technology was here. It just wasn't packaged into a, an environment, which is now packaged, which is just makes it really, really simple uh, to set up your own, your own system, basically. Is that accurate? So it's ugly. So if we look at it this way, um, previously you needed ML engineers. Hmm. Previously you needed ML ops. Previously you needed DevOps. Uh, in your organization to implement uh, intelligent automation. Now, uh, a, a very normal developer, such as me, like I, I am a normal developer. Huh. Uh, a normal developer could just take it off the shelf and implement it. So it's uh, mm, interesting. plug and play. Yeah. It's plug and play now. Yeah. So, so the whole machine world, learning world has now changed so that any developer can pretty much just go to the OpenAI API or or all the other ones that are coming up and just get something out else. Um, but then, can you can you walk me through like the RPA structure and like automations as it was? Because from the outside, not being a developer, um, I remember my uncle who was a, who was a developer. He started a software company in the '80s and the '90s, and he told me one day that. Uh, he told me back when in 2011, 2012, that the, the you know, the dream world is to have the program, the cr- computer program itself. Um, and we're not there yet. And this was back in 2011. Uh, but it feels like we're there yet. We're there now where the programs can actually now code themselves. And, 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 and like, that's like a whole new world that we're entering. Um, what do you, what do you think about this world that we're entering? And like, what does it mean for the old world of automation? 
Okay. The old world of automation. It's definitely gotten a lot more easier to develop as a as of now. So you can just uh, go to like for me, like I'll take my example. When I joined Invisible, I had no idea how app scripts work because the entire company is on G Suite. So I had to teach my, myself app script. Now the traditional path for me would have been to go into a YouTube video um, and start going into tutorials one by one. But then I had ChatGPT subscription thanks to the company. <laughs> and what I did was, how do I do this in app script? And it created the code for me and I would just copy it and paste it. Um, and yeah, the the end, end result or end, the dream goal would be have to have like uh, computers generate code by themselves, create software by themselves. But that doesn't mean that developers are going to go away. It only means that developers are going to become better and quicker. Mm. Mm. So um, a software that was previously being developed by probably 10 developers now, I would say that maybe four developers can do it. Why? Because they don't have to generate code by themselves. They can have the code generated and then they can QA it and make sure that it works. And have um, you another thing? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, so have you been using it inside of your programming? Like, and if so, how have you been using uh, ChatGPT or any other tools? Are you using? Are you only using ChatGPT for helping with coding, or are you also using other other tools? So currently, I'm only using ChatGPT, mm. and um, I believe uh, ChatGPT is basically general intelligence. Now, after ChatGPT comes, they will come uh, machine learning models that are basically expert in niche. So they can act as an SME, basically. So an you SME? could have a, What's a an machine, What's subject an matter expert. Ah, yeah. mm -hmm. Subject matter expert. Mm -hmm. So like we train at Invisible, we train, uh, we provide data that would help people train uh, machine learning models for a specific use case. So basically, we are making models that are subject matter experts in that particular niche. That's really cool. The so dream goal. So yeah. we could we could make code. We could make machine learning uh, models, or we could create AI that creates code, and they could be niche models, or maybe gen general models are like that much intelligent in like coming two, three, four years. Uh, but then there's also Humans are afraid of AI, to be honest. The the generic, the general uh, emotion that public has towards AI is that it's going to take away people's job or, uh, you know, we hate AI. Maybe it will take our jobs away and stuff like that. It's not that. Uh, it's just a revolution and we're just entering a golden era of human age, probably where we're more smarter, we're more uh, capable uh, with these tools at hand. So that's really interesting. I would love to talk about what a golden age is and what you what you view are, are the golden age is going to be like. Uh, but I also came up with a question, like, what's it like in Pakistan? Do do people that you talked with on the street or your friends or your family who aren't in technology, are people talking about AI? And if so, what are they talking about? What are they saying about it? About AI, uh, not much, honestly. 
the trend is not very high as compared to the West for sure. Uh, because Pakistan, technically, I would say, there are some great minds, but there are also problems with Pakistan that is like a complete another story. There's not much, uh, uh, maybe like we say, yeah, Pakistan's definitely way behind in the race for sure. Mm-hmm. But Pakistan, I imagine, has a lot of uh, like um, outsourcing firms and technology firms, because aren't there a lot of um, Pakistanis who came to the United States, who came to the West, and then also went back and 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 brought some of that ideation about technology? Did that happen? Yeah, that happened, but that is like very, uh, very Ish. small percentage of people. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's very small percentage. So when I when I went to technical school, um. My first lecture uh, was a teacher basically telling us that, do you know how many women make into tech in Pakistan? It's 0.006% of the population. Wow. So that's crazy. I mean, there was a batch of 280 people and uh, we had like six girls uh, in there. What was it like for you? It was challenging. Um... But I think I loved the journey. It was a tough journey, but I loved it anyway. Yes. And then, how did you, how did you end up at, at Invisible? So I graduated, and then I worked um, at a local company for a while, and they basically uh, made me kind of an expert in RPA. So I did all sorts of certifications and whatnot because I wanted to learn, and I and I fell in love in RPA uh, back in. Uh, let's. It, I think it was 2018 and 2019. Then I got hired by IBM, where I implemented a lot of RPA, mm. and then I made the jump to Invisible because at back in those days there was no chat GPT wasn't there here anymore. And I always used to think we can do RPA, but RPA doesn't have place for humans. RPA doesn't incorporate humans into the loop. Uh, There has to be a place for humans in the loop. (laughs) And that's what I thought RPA was lacking. And then I found Invisible and it turned out that Invisible was that solution. And I was like, oh my God, it has automations and it has humans. This is like the best, uh, best place to be. And because I thought I could solve so much more with humans in the loop. And it's so crazy because until I had heard about Invisible, I never could. Let me set this up a little bit more in, you know, I've been in Silicon Valley for a long time and Silicon Valley starting around 2006, but probably even before then uh, started to basically like Facebook, Uber, Twitter, all of these big companies, they basically wanted to remove all humans from the process and simply automate everything whether that's hailing a cab so they automate the uh, the managers out of the taxi medallion system so that the managers wouldn't have to manage their drivers anymore all of a sudden it was only humans um uh sorry it was only drivers and riders and the riders would manage the drivers and the drivers would rate the riders and they got rid of everyone else um and they built and then facebook did the same thing instead of having editorialists and people publishing they just had everybody become their own publisher and removed all of those humans from the loop um and then 
but invisible was there in the in the background being invisible from you know i think i, I forget when they actually started but uh, uh uh i think it's eight years ago now or something like that but their fundamental idea is that we actually have humans within the loop uh to make to augment technology which in hindsight makes so much sense because the idea isn't like it, it's like without without the human being in the loop there is no really purpose for the technology like as we saw with facebook facebook just got totally kind of hacked by political um uh, uh actors to basically create a whole bunch of fiction and and, and turn it off as, as real um and they didn't have that human piece and so they had to try to build the human piece back into it afterwards um what do you think about this human in the loop what it what, where do you think the human begins and technology ends it's a hard question <laughs> very complex it's a hard question so there are processes that are automatable end to end. And there are processes that we cannot automate. For example, AIT. Let's talk about AIT. Let's talk about automating AIT. Mm -hmm. Like uh, AIT means AI, AI training. And to have AI training, you need humans in the first place to teach because it's supervised learning and uh, an easy example would be when you're like growing a child uh, you teach them hey this is an apple and this is a banana same as the case with AI training so um, to have like really accurate models you need to have that uh, specialized human beings and human agents that are teaching the AI what is this and what is that um, and it's very complex decision making. So, for example, we have this process. I'm not going to name any clients, but I will take small examples. We have this process where we are doing um, RLHF, uh, where it's reinforced reinforcement human learning. So it's a feedback loop by humans. Um, and what we do is we basically uh, retrain or check the performance of machine learning models of our clients and be able to teach the model if this is a right kind of thing that they have spit out or is the is it something wrong now those those things can be like for example i gave you that example of uh, ethical decision-making in place where we say, hey, this prompt is abusive, but um, to me, abusive could be something else. To you, abusive could be something else. Let's say um, it contains something about animal slaughter and there is a vegan human agent and there's a non-vegan human agent and to the vegan one, it's uh, abusive and to the non-vegan one it would be like uh, hey this is this is absolutely fine with me so those kind of decision makings is when we need humans in the loop for sure and it's and it's and it's almost like not only do do we need humans but we need those humans to think deeply about this is this Very isn't deeply. something it's not it's not something that you can just like simply just like it's a deeply philosophical question uh like training the robot yeah. is a deeply philosophical question and the same way that facebook also was a sort of a deeply philosophical question as well because it talks about 
I remember somebody once taught me that Facebook creates the idealized self versus the actualized self. So like uh, all the social media, that's the way that we create these ideal selves. And then we, the, we create that, that fiction. And then we have our actual self, uh, which is far different from the one that we portray. Um, but, but so that's also philosophical, but, but training these LLMs is like deeply, deeply philosophical because you're essentially training them uh, about your sub whoever's training them is training them on their own subjective opinions. And even the most self-aware person out there is still highly subjective uh, in their understanding. Like there's, they're, they're not going to, it's so hard to be able to actually look at yourself in a, in an objective way. Um, and so it's like deeply, deeply philosophical, but then from the outs outside, when people look at technology, they just think it's like just this robot fest, but it's really like a deeply philosophical, which makes it invisible again, such a unique company um, because the people running it are, 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 well, everybody involved is like deeply philosophical, deeply humanist, which is not too common within technology companies, the ones that I've dealt with. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd call us a humanist company. We're definitely pro-humans, <laughs> uh, pro-human liberty, all of those things, yes. Uh, so, yes, humanist, for sure, human, to be human. Yeah. Did you did you study philosophy or did you only study technical stuff? Unfortunately, only technical stuff so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you uh, taken advantage of any of the philosophical kind of uh, courses available at Invisible? Not really, because if you see my calendar, yeah. it's, um, yeah, not really, yes. Yeah. Another another thing about Invisible, we work really hard and our calendars are totally full, particularly you guys in the technology, because technology is just like so important. What, okay, that's a good, that's a good question to ask. What is, where, where do you think technology fits in with the, the, the general, uh, uh, work of invisible do you guys align very closely with operations yeah it's it's basically so invisible is basically a process outsourcing company and it doesn't mean that we're just like a regular bpo that's not that um at invisible what we do is we understand your process and then we make your process better in terms of efficiency, in terms of ROI, in terms of how we can make it cheaper, how can we make it faster, how can we may remove the bottlenecks. So we analyze the processes and we take your processes and do them uh, smoothly and efficiently. And to do them smoothly and efficiently and to like uh, increase the ROI, we need to implement technology and automations. So that automation can be... Uh, AI-based automations, or it can be RPA-based automations, or it can be just simple script-based automations, because we, at the end of the day, the technical department goal is to uh, basically make the operations smoother and faster and to make the agent experience way better uh, for the agents themselves. Because we have agents like uh, in the entire world. We're a remote company that uh, is remote since before COVID. Which is crazy, um, and crazy. and so you you so and then so operations comes in. They basically discover the process, make it run really well, uh, or actually just figure out how to make it run. And then technology steps in and figures out what can be automated out of that uh, out of those steps, right? 
how hard is that process? How hard is that process for technology to come in? Like, how did you guys manage to figure out how to do that well? What I like to do is just shadow the agents. Ah, interesting. Okay. So I become I become an agent for that process. Uh, I basically am a solution architect. I understand the product well, and then I also understand tech well. So that helps helps me like bridge uh, the communication between ops and then the tech department. So what I do is I like to just uh, ask the operations lead to let me shadow the agents for a, for a couple of days maybe. And then once I know that, okay, this is the process that we're doing, I begin to think about, hey, how can we make it better? How can I automate this? Can I maybe implement AI on this? For example, we had this really, really interesting um, use case where we were supposed to do skew enrichment. Why? Because they, there was this amazing, huge, a huge Fortune 500 company that had this one problem. The problem was that the sales were not good, as good as they wanted because the skews, the content within the skews was not as good as they wanted them to be. So for example, you go onto a website and you want to have a remote control, but that remote control doesn't have the specification. Basically, you cannot apply apply the correct filters. Mm. So it was so to in, to enhance the buyer experience, we had to make the SKUs better. To make the SKUs better, we had to do content generation, which means that we had to take in the guidelines, the content guidelines, and then we had to read them, and then we have to take each SKU and just make sure that the content of that SKU uh, adhered to the style guidelines. Now, when the first time. So for like a couple of months, we ran the process completely manually. So agents were like going into a couple of websites, doing research on the product. What is this product? Seeing images um, and then creating text descriptions and creating the attributes for those things. And then uh, tech came in and tech said, hey, maybe we can automate this and that. How? AI. So if uh, humans are looking at a product image, we can look at uh, product images as well. And if human are creating text, uh, and now that we have LLMs available, we can create those texts. And hence, this is how like we automated the entire uh, skew enrichment process. Uh, and And we didn't like throw the humans out of the loop. See, AI, the... The outcome, you can generate anything with AI, but the outcome of AI has to be controlled. AI can spit out anything. Mm. And you need to be able to QA, you need to be able to check, you need to be able to identify, okay, this is accurate, this is inaccurate. And this is how we implemented the humans in the loop. And this is why I believe Invisible is um, so efficiently prepared for for AI enablement across processes is because we have that human in the loop mm. uh, component available. Mm. So we can basically guardrail uh, the outcomes generated by AI. And it's super interesting. And not like give AI the complete control. Yeah, yeah and, and that's like... A few months ago, when the hype was really, really in, intense on on what machine learning could do and and all these LLMs, 
uh, I was like, I was totally convinced that Invisible's becoming a, a going to become a Q&A company. It's going to become a company that m- primarily makes sure the output from uh, AI is is really good. And I, th- I still think that's in the future, but I think also that the hype is dying down now. And I think the big thing that we got really hyped, oh, I'd love to ask you about this. Um, there are these autonomous agents, uh, the uh, baby AGI and a few other ones where like, I think it was back in April, people started to create these autonomous agents and they'd run through, run uh, freely on your computer. And like, you just tell them to do something and they'd go develop their own goals and then go follow those goals and everything like that. Uh, but then the qu- hype on that quickly died down. What do you think about autonomous agents um, and like trying to create autonomous LLMs that go and do their own goals? Are you guys doing anything like that? And can you talk about it? Not really. We're not looking into that for now, for sure. But maybe somewhere down the line, we will, because in Invisible, like we're continuously growing. Uh, we're like testing and failing and testing and failing again and just, you know, finding out. So to me, what matters is that we should be able to implement AI into processes and make sure mm-hmm. that we can control the outcome of that for now. That's that's the main goal we have right now. And and, and, and go for it. Go ahead. Uh, so LLMs, uh, the hallucination part. It seems like there's no way to make. Uh, they t- people talk about science as this thing that you need to be able to reproduce things, and it seems like LLMs are not reproducible. Because I I go to it one day with one question, it'll come out with this answer, and then the next day I come back to it, and I want that same that same thing that I was able to do. And I imagine the RPA you can do that. It's like, it's reproducible, but LLMs are not reproducible. Is that accurate? And how are you guys dealing with that? That's that that's true. So in order to reproduce, so we can implement AI, but we're not uh, giving AI the 100% authority that, like we don't have the mentality to say that AI 100% is going to reproduce the outcome that we need. So that's why we have humans in the loop where we generate the outcome and ask humans, hey, is this correct or incorrect? And a lot of uh, organizations out there do not have this capability. And so they're probably just... So which makes... Yeah. Yeah, they're probably just implementing it. (laughs) It's hallucinating. It's giving them them false information and then they're just following, following it basically. And the project dies. Yeah, yeah, and, and then they and then they say, "Oh, AI doesn't work." It will go back to the other thing, but really, it's all about the way that they implemented the AI that was the the failure point. Um, it's super interesting. Um, so, okay, so AI implementation. Let's go into that. What do you think companies are doing wrong besides what we just talked about? Like. What if you were a company or if you were advising a company how they would implement AI um, or enable AI, what would you tell them to do? First thing I would tell them to do is to change the mindset. Mm-hmm. AI is basically predictions. It's prediction in anything. We, in AI, all you're doing is creating statistical predictions that this should come next and that should come next. Would you 100% believe on predictions 
or consider predictions to be 100% correct. No, it's a chance. It's a probability. And there is always a chance of failure. So I would, I would basically ask them to, I mean, just ask them to change their mindset, not like AI is going to be 100% accurate, but instead use AI to just make things better. Imagine, imagine uh, on your iPhone while you're like doing a text message and there's autocorrect, right? There's autocorrect and then there is next thing that it, there's suggestions coming up. Imagine you gave uh, AI the 100% uh, uh, authority to create your text message. Is it going to be 100% right? No, no, it's not going to be. So all you're doing is you're just suggesting what next should be and let human decide if it should come next or not. So you're you're saying and that's how you should, yeah. Yeah, come it always comes back to the getting getting human beings in the loop. But it also seems like you need so you need subject matter experts as well to be QAs as well, right? Like because if you're QAing something, you need that subject matter expert. How how are you guys going about? Because we have a lot of agents all over the world. Um, but do we have a lot of subject matter expert agents? And like are we building the, that out? Yeah, we do. So there are companies out there that are like what I call niche niche ML models. Those niche ML models can be great at, uh, uh, I'm creating a, an ML model that is great, great at calculus, solving calculus problems. Mm. Or maybe I'm creating an ML model that is amazing at Python and certain frameworks of Python and just knows everything in and out of that. Or maybe I'm creating an ML model that basically is awesome at Amazon and doing product recommendations. So to, or maybe, or maybe I'm creating an ML model that basically detects um, breast cancer from scans. Mm -hmm. So to QC that, you need doctors. To QC that uh, uh, expert coder ML model, you need to have coders in place. So yeah. We have agents that are experts in their fields uh, of, of the ML model that have, they are training. Mm, that's super cool. Um, uh, and okay, and uh, interesting. So, so we've got statistical models. We've got it's just predicting things. Um, how 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 are you guys getting any sort of reproducibility? Is there a way to get the LLM to reproduce things in an, in a in a in a um, reliable fashion, or is it, or even when you're working with the AI, API for OpenAI, it still just kind of creates not necessarily reproducible? How are you dealing with that reproducible angle? Have standard prompt engineering templates. Standard prompt, but that's even, one way. Yeah, standard prompt. Yeah. But even when I use standard prompts, it still doesn't like at least in the chatbot form, it still doesn't like stick to the to exactly what I need. Like, how, how do you how do you is there a way around that or is it just like a, a, a function of how how it is? For now, it is how it is. And uh, to fix that thing, you need humans in the loop. So mm -hmm. that's just how we're implementing it. And what about hallucinations? How are you guys dealing with hallucinations? Are there ways to actually like minimize hallucinations? Yeah, again with the with prompt with prompt engineering, and then you have to like take the use case and just 
look into a plethora of ML models and test them out. Oh, our ML team is amazing at doing that. So they take the use case and they do their research and just test that particular uh, use case on a bunch of ML models and then pick the best one out and try to reduce the hallucination. So that's what we're doing. We're not just implementing um, OpenAI. We're, we're literally implementing a all whole them. plethora of, yeah, all of them, uh-huh. uh, which basically suits our use case. Uh, interesting. And so of the of the of of all the different processes that are visible, what have you found to be the most uh, reliably automated through LLMs rather than RPA? Okay. Mm. This doesn't has to be like, I'm going to do it by RP or I'm going to do mm. it by LLM. Mm. This is going to create a hybrid solution. Interesting. I'm going to implement both. So this is how, so we're creating hybrid solutions all the time. So we're implementing a, so a process, a part of it is human, a part of it is automations, a part of it is RP, a part of it is LLM. So we're doing all of that and uh, because our product gives us that flexibility to implement um, all sorts of things. So we can call RPA bots, we can call automation scripts, we can uh, get the human, uh, display them a visit to just, you know, maybe QC something uh, that was done by LLM. And yeah, that's that, hybrid solutions. It's so crazy. I'm the director of knowledge, knowledge management at Invisible. Um, and, uh, in some ways I have a very exciting job, but in other ways I have a terrifying job, um, because I've been here for six months and it's been so hard for me to wrap my head around what exactly invisible does. Um, uh, and it's because we are doing so much, uh, and it's because we have this platform that you just described, which is just such a wild thing where you can, can take human beings, you can take RPA, you can take LMs. And you can combine them in all these different steps, some of which are reusable, some of which aren't, some of which are like customized to the particular client, some of which aren't. Um, what can we talk about re- reusability? Um, like how much of the stuff that Invisible is doing is reusable? I would say 70%. Wow. It's reusable. So how? Because uh the the human part, so we're we call them visits and each visit has uh, VAX, which are atomic components within a visit. It can be take text from the human, ask human questions. It's basically a form, but a very uh, high on steroids kind of form. <laughs> so we can... <laughs> So we can literally just ask them to do anything via those forms. And then we have steps and steps are basically automations. They can be API integrations. They can be um, a call for RPA boss to do something. They can be a call for an automation script to do something. Sometimes they can be uh, custom support to to support very, very custom uh, processes. And then the other times they are completely generic. For example, read from a Google sheet is a completely generic step or text to some Slack channel is a completely, you can just plug and um, give the parameters and it will, it will work fine for you. So that's that. It's so yeah. wild. 
I need to, I need to, I need to become an agent for like a week. I need to choose a week where I'll become an agent and start to use, uh, use the platform so that I can fully understand it at a, at a very unique level. Um, so that I can, I can finally understand how exactly you, you all those different things you mentioned. I want to understand it from a more experiential understanding. I have a walkthrough right after this podcast and I would love to invite you. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, great. Let's take about five more minutes. Um, uh, what has, what's the most interesting thing you've learned, uh, since you've joined invisible? Okay. The diversity at invisible is incredible. And yeah, that's that's that the human diversity, human knowledge, all sorts of people coming from all sorts of backgrounds, um, us jamming together, us talking about things and problems and solutions, and everybody uh, is so special in here. From and the fact that Invisible says that you have to be a CEO in your own department, it's uh, giving a people that you're not coming to a job, you're coming to your own business. So take care of it, please. Uh, that that part of Invisible is completely incredible. I've learned that at Invisible, if you take care of your people, your people will eventually take care of your business, mm-hmm. and that anyone, any mind can have the greatest idea ever and invisible does grant people agents uh, to give opinions give ideas give feedback and it has helped uh create a platform that is so strong and that's, uh, that's that. i imagine that's pretty different from the normal thought pattern in pakistan right like a lot of people just join the comp join the job just to have the job right like the idea of being yeah. a CEO. absolutely Absolutely. It's just a job. You have a certain task, certain function, mm-hmm. and you can just go do that. And that's that. So I came from IBM and IBM um, had the same kind of mindset that. Uh, so I had autonomy in IBM as well. And mm-hmm. that's why, like, when I joined Invisible and I was like uh, interviewing with a lot of people, I was uh, I was just repeatedly asking questions like, uh can I do this? Can I do that? Will I be able to do this? Will I be able to do that? Because at the end of the day, um, I consider my work my art and um, it has my name on it. So if it's going to have my name on it, then I absolutely need to have a say say in it. Mm. Uh, And that's what's um, invisible, like give you the opportunity and the fact that you know so so many agents uh, so for example in AI training uh, in AI training we have agents and there is is growth you can you can you can grow Uh, so for me I was a completely technical person uh, and invisible came in and it really asked me now you're not going to be a solution architect now you're going to be a people manager and so I've been I've been learning that and Casper has been so amazing to me teaching me all the soft skills that I needed to grow and yeah that's invisible for us cool uh well thank you so much for coming on the plain sight uh, podcast thank you hey thanks for tuning into plain sight presented by invisible if you liked what you heard be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network and if you're interested in learning more about how invisible helps teams cut costs and scale visit our website at invisible
www.ethereumcoin.co. See you next time.